You're listening to The Deadly Dose, hosted by Harini Bot and Megan Gesner. Before we get into the rest of the episode, if you've been enjoying our content so far, please go rate and review us wherever you might be listening from, or don't. Just keep on hanging with us. All right, on to the rest of the episode. Welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode of The Deadly Dose. This is an exciting moment for us because we are actually coming at you with a re-record of one of our earlier episodes, and that's something that you'll be seeing coming out throughout the end of this summer mm-hmm. is several re-records because when we were starting as just <laughs> novice, we babes, <laughs> novice <laughs> podcasters, which I, I, I don't know, I think we've gotten past the point of being novice, but you know, we're still I think so. Yeah. yeah. But when we were just wee bibs, we had the shittiest audio equipment, which if you've been following us for forever, you know, we've talked about that many times before. But since we have now officially rebranded and we have got our audio down pat, we've got our website, we've got our Instagram, social media, all like nice and harmonized. Marini's doing all these animation. What is it called? ASL. Yeah. ASL. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) We were like, it's time for us to revitalize some great stories that we've already covered so this is this is that and so today harini will be doing a retelling of her retelling of the <laughs> jonestown massacre Whoop. so we will yeah all right harini take it away <laughs> if you guys did listen to the original that was episode dose number two yeah. that's how early this was this is and by episode two, it also was my very first episode that I ever mm-hmm. did for the podcast, which mm-hmm. was That Shit Is Poison at the time. So now we're doing a revitalization as the deadly dose. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Lucky you guys. So at the top of the hour, like a good wee babe that I was, I think I mm-hmm. said my sources at the top. <laughs> now I yeah, forget. Yeah. But uh, our, my sources were and are our Kansas City Public Library, mm-hmm. an article from Britannica by Allison Eldridge, Wiki, The Legacy of Jonestown by Eric Banks from The Wall Street Journal, PBS mm-hmm. article titled The American Experience, a documented history of what happened at Jonestown on the FBI website, FBI.gov, mm-hmm. and... Yeah. This is the weirdest, uh, well, the most coincidental source that I had today. So while I was doing, I kind of revitalized the episode for you guys. So so I was putting in some new sources. While I was doing that, I was watching just a random show. I just put on something that sounded remotely interesting on Netflix, Mm -hmm. just to have in the background. And it was called The Unexplained Show on Netflix with William Shatner. Yes. Wait, sorry. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm chuckling because I just started watching that too. And I, it just popped up and I was, it was, it was like I was cooking and I was like, Uh I need to watch a show to eat with and unexplained. Okay. That's new. William Shatner. Okay. He's looking a little puffy and old. It's kind of sad. He does. I mean, not, not, not to like shade him or whatever, but it's like, I haven't seen him in a minute. Like I don't actively look up William Shatner, but to see him in the unexplained, I was like, oh man, like 
you know, it's been some time. He's yeah. Like, yeah. Funny that you were watching that because I was watching it. <laughs> Curious if you stumbled upon this episode because I was watching a different episode. I was watching an episode that was kind of similar to like the Teotihuacan series I was doing on TikTok, but it was like mm-hmm. something similar, like ancient civilizations that were abandoned mm-hmm. and where are they now type of thing. And yeah. then that episode ended and then I just let it run the next mm-hmm. episode. And lo and behold, it was an episode all about cults, including Jamestown. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, James yeah. Jones- Jonestown. Jonestown. Sorry, Jonestown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, Jamestown was last episode. <laughs> um <laughs> And I was like, what are the diddly odds of that? Okay, so <laughs> we are just going to go full circle here. Yeah. So as Megan already alluded to, I'll be talking about the Jonestown Massacre that happened on November 18th, 1978. Mm. If you guys don't know what that is, it's a mass murder-suicide of the People's Temple cult members in the in Jonestown, Guyana. It is mm-hmm. one of the largest mass suicides in history that killed 918 people orchestrated by the reverend jim jones okay so let us get into his a little bit of his early life and then we'll get into the whole meat of the story so jim jones is born on may 13th 1931 in indiana to his parents of course james Mm -hmm. and lynetta jones (laughs) james was a veteran of the great war and a victim of mustard gas i'm not laughing at that i just said that very weird but no i know uh, i'm still thinking about the born to his parents of course i'm like no yes to dogs (laughs) i know okay so he's a veteran of the great war and a victim of mustard gas which we actually have done an episode about i don't think and um Mm -hmm. His younger wife, Lynetta, who was Mm -hmm. a feisty and adventurous woman who would later follow her son to Guyana, which I didn't realize uh, from the last time we did this. Hmm. Despite being from a Baptist and a Quaker lineage, Lynetta was not all that religious and was sort of laugh at neighbors who believed in God. Neighbors like to say, (laughs) quote, was going she was going to hell straighter than a bird could fly. Love that one. I don't know why that took me so long to process. I guess, yeah. So she's just going straight As to As a crow flies. They, yeah, she's going straight just to made it more fancy. Okay. Exactly. They made it more uh, Midwest. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> in any case, Jim's family was hard struck by the Great Depression, and they lived in essentially a shack mm-hmm. uh, with fairly absent parents during his childhood. Okay. Regardless of all of that, Jim was a pretty smart boy. He loved reading. He studied Stalin, Marx. Gandhi and Hitler, quite quite the pack. Along with that, he also developed an intense interest in religion, of course. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was a reserved type of child, but he was bullied a lot. And uh, kids around him described him as, quote, the really weird kid. He Mm -hmm. was obsessed with religion and death. This is not confirmed, but it was said that he would hold funerals for small animals on his parents' land and that he stabbed a cat to death mm. so he did have some darker tendencies which we know yeah. uh if you guys watch or watch or listen to true crime anything mm. that's part of that trifecta of a serial killer which is first killing animals and i forget the rest <laughs> but that's <laughs> one a of serial them serial killer or, so, or psychopath so or psych- psychopath i think so yeah. yeah so jim graduated from high school with an interest and an aptitude for medicine. So he was interested mm-hmm. in medicine. He works very briefly at a hospital, which is where he ends up meeting his wife, who was a nurse at the time, Marceline Baldwin. Mm-hmm. And they subsequently get married in 1948. In 1951, Jim is 20 years old, and he starts to attend meetings for the Communist Party 
in Indianapolis. Mm. He gets very offended by the open prosecution of the American people during this time with the mm. McCarthy hearings and the Red mm-hmm. Scare, especially mm-hmm. during the trial of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. Mm. So for him, in light of all of that, he wanted to be able to express his beliefs, whether whatever they were, but especially his Marxist beliefs. And he thought, you know, what better way to do that than through the church? Despite being a communist, he was offered a start in the church in 1952 at Somerset Southside Methodist Church as a student pastor, but left shortly after when he learned that they forbade integration of African-Americans in their congregation. Okay. So that was something that's like very consistent in his upbringing. He, even from an early age, he was very all about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Which you will 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 get to that in his um, actual church. Yeah. So Jim realized that faith healing attracted people and their money, and he decided to go that route. So that's mm-hmm. when he opened his own church titled the People's Temple Christian Church, full gospel, such a long name, which right. was an interracial church. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned earlier, Jim studied a lot of Hitler's works to understand how to essentially manipulate people with charisma to Mm -hmm. do what you want them to do in a cult-like fashion. Around the same time, Jim religiously studied slash followed the teachings of Father Divine, who was Mm -hmm. a popular black spiritual leader who told Jones personally at some point to, quote, find an enemy and make sure they know who the enemy is, as that will unify people in your church to make them subservient to you. Not, I know, like, when we recorded this the first time, you said that before, and it yeah. still feels weird. I think, it, like, it it makes sense, but I'm like, yeah. it doesn't sound like a very moral construct for some to, like, bring God or spiritualism or peace into people's lives. So I just always found that super Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very negative spin on making people want to come to your want church. Want to be and, devout, right, or come for the right devout. reasons. Yeah. Fear, fear mongering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Instead of love mongering. <laughs> Things <laughs> love bombing. <laughs> love bombing. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> so Things started to really take off from there for Jim. He was very vocal about his thoughts on integration and desegregation, which, of course, at the time is the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. This is not something that like is the status quo at all and right. coming from a white man in mm-hmm. the church. Right. Needless to say, a lot of African-American communities were big, big fans of Jim Jones. Mm-hmm. During this time, he did do a lot of work to help integrate not just only his church, but other churches in the community and not just churches. He he tried to integrate restaurants, the telephone company, which is very specific, Indianapolis mm-hmm. Police Department and a theater and amusement park and a hospital. Okay. <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> he's just like, like he's doing like putting, the local work. Yeah, exactly. He's putting his hands in all realms of what might interest people, you know. Exactly. Okay. Which mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. <clears throat> from his perspective and what he had seen around at the time, especially in his community, there was a lot of pressure for African-American families to move out of white neighborhoods. But Jim would come in and kind of offer them support and telling them to hold fast, stay put and come to my church. Mm -hmm. He would perform these sting operations to catch restaurants that refused to serve African-American customers. 
And after a health incident, he was accidentally placed in the African-American part of the hospital Mm -hmm. and he refused to be moved. And instead, Mm -hmm. he began to make the beds, empty the bedpans, just integrate himself. Uh, And that was just another factor of his that made people like him even more. Mm -hmm. I kind of talked about his diversity and inclusion. Uh, A big factor and show of this, I should say, Jim and his wife, who fully support her husband, by the way, mm-hmm. they adopt several non-white children, which they refer okay. to as their rainbow family. So okay. they adopted their daughter, who was part Native American, three Korean American children, and the first white couple to adopt an African American child. Okay. So after that, they weren't the most popular people in Indiana, to say the least. So they moved to San Francisco. Right. Now it's 1960, they're in SF, and he kind of believes, Jim is of the belief that there's going to be a nuclear holocaust on the horizon. Mm -hmm. So he tells his congregation that they all need to move with him to Northern California for safety. Mm -hmm. I don't know why SF in particular would be spared (laughs) of this nuclear (laughs) holocaust, but that's where where they all go. (laughs) Right, right, right. Wait, I think I did ask you this the first time around because they moved to Ukiah, California. Mm-hmm. It, that's that's like really north, I think. That's not SF. That's even north, even more north than I feel like that's almost near Redding or something like that. Let me. It is. It is just a little, like very mildly southeast of Mendocino. So yes, that's right. Yes, not all the way up in Redding. It's below okay. Fort Bragg. And a little bit past Sea <laughs> Ranch. Also love that area. Anyway, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, like two oh. hours, two and a half hours north of SF, San Francisco. Yeah, about that. About Around that. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they go there. He has he convinces about 100 people to move with him from Indianapolis to uh, Ukiah, California. Mm-hmm. Slowly, Jim begins to build his power by holding services in San Francisco and opening another temple temple in the San Fernando Valley and eventually Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He moves the temple's headquarters to San Francisco because it was a great place for his more expansive and progressive ideas. Mm-hmm. Jim Jones' congregation became highly, highly influential in SF politics in the 70s, which culminated in San Francisco Mayor George Moscone's victory in 1975. Mm-hmm. Because Jim had helped to put George in the mayor's seat, Moscone subsequently named Jim as the chairman of the SF Housing Authority Commission. Yeah. I'm not sure like what Jim essentially did with that power, but... It's just a detail, I suppose, just to yeah. add to the amount of power he, and influence he had. Yeah, he has his hand in politics. He has good Correct. of the political community there and with the mm-hmm. governor. Wait, no, sorry, mayor. The mayor. <laughs> the mayor, not the governor. Highly influential individual who is well-loved by the community. His influence just keeps expanding from there. He easily walked in the same circles of notable politicians at both a local and a national level, including meeting privately with the vice presidential candidate at the time, Walter Mm -hmm. Mondale. So this meeting led 
Mondale to publicly praise the People's Temple at his campaign the following day. He met with First Lady Rosalind Carter on multiple occasions, who corresponded with him about Cuba and spoke with him at the grand opening of the SF headquarters, where he received louder applause than she did. So in September 1976, there was a testimonial dinner for Jim Jones with California Assembly member Willie Brown. The dinner was attended by our former governor, Jerry Brown, who even praised Jones as what you should see every day when you look in the mirror. Whoa. (laughs) I know. That was like, uh, that's also kind of a weird way to praise someone, too. I would never say that about anyone, even if I really (laughs) liked them. Yeah. yeah, It's... It does feel weird. I yeah. yeah. I like even if I had a figure in my life right now who I super highly respected, I'd be like, <laughs> when I look in the mirror, that's what I want to look like. Maybe it's I know. I'm a narcissist. I don't know. Maybe we live in a day and age where it's like we recognize the power of individualism and in mm-hmm. loving ourselves mm-hmm. and blah blah blah. But yeah, sorry. It's it to me. It stands out as odd because we know the cult-like aspect that is to come and it's it's yeah. like these these comments of precursor idolization yes, that feels yes. so like telling Absolutely. that's why it's weird to me and it's coming from people who you know are um in politics and stuff that like they're willing yeah. to kind of te- tell on themselves that like oh i idolize this person i'm like yeah true i don't know about that like yeah. that's a good point so Jerry Brown is the one who's saying this. So he even goes on to goes on to say that Jim Jones is a combination of Martin Luther King Jr., Angela Davis, Albert Einstein, and Mao Zedong. Okay. <laughs> and the cherry on top was that political rallies would be held at the temple at which Harvey Milk would speak to the audiences there. Mm-hmm. Harvey Milk wrote to Jones after one such visit saying, Reverend Jim, it may take me many a day to come back down from the high that I reached today. I found something dear today. I found a sense of being that makes up for all the hours and energy placed in a fight. I found what you wanted me to find. I shall be back for I can never leave. Damn. I do want to believe, even though Jim Jones is a terrible person, I do want to believe that he believed or that he actually believed that about diversity inclusion like he really cared about that and that was actually like a strong principle of his right and i get why during that time that's something that's so likable especially from people who are constantly disenfranchised uh the lgbtq plus community Mm -hmm. the any kind of people of color minorities communities they are all flocking to him because he is a voice for them yeah yeah Yeah, i it will always for me be kind of the debate of like because again knowing where this ends knowing that the large majority of those who end up dying as part of the jonestown massacre are minority or people of color specifically black people yeah and it's i i mean i need to do my due diligence and probably look up what research or essays are done about mm-hmm. this particular topic his tie to minority communities and what does that mean given where what the outcome eventually is people and bringing community to them um mm-hmm. via a church i w- <clears throat> do believe that you can <laughs> as horrible as it sounds like you can be both i think you can i think he could actually have integrity there and really yeah. believe in this messaging 
and maybe that goes south or sideways and he gets caught up in his own narcissism or i it could be he does believe in this messaging but is also aware of his possible narcissism and psychopathy and is just an intelligent person and is like, you know what? No one's tapped into this possible community that I can easily rise in yeah, um, because everyone else is already against these people. Therefore, like they're an untapped source of followers that no one else has that can (laughs) be exploited. Yeah. (laughs) Such easy words, right? But yeah, I don't know. I won't... No, I should really, I, I'm sure there are many studies about him and and that question. So, no, it, I was just yeah. going to say, as you were talking about that, mm-hmm. it if you want to look at it in the devious way, mm-hmm. if he, maybe he's just being a businessman because ultimately right. these, these people end up lining his pockets, giving him mm-hmm. money, funding mm-hmm. whatever, his churches, right. et cetera. Right. And he's like, look, there's a whole group of people, like a whole untapped level of community as you said just because they are gay or or they are ethnic whatever Mm -hmm. they Mm -hmm. still got money (laughs) like money doesn't discriminate you know like i don't care who you are i don't care if you're blue or black or orange like you still have money that works for my pockets so right why not nothing is ever black and white right there is always gonna be some like tinges of gray and right. I think this is one of the situations where I do think he really believes in diverse inclusion, but it might have yeah. gone astray. Right. Or it did like, go astray, rather. Yeah. He was being opportunistic. Right. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So with all that being said, he is, you know, befriended by politicians, press, mm-hmm. wrote about him. Mm-hmm. He's a respected churchman. He receives mm-hmm. the MLK Humanitarian Award. Mm-hmm. And at this point, he has thousands of followers, not just for him but he also touts himself for having this mind reading and faith healing ability and this was one of the videos i'd ever seen a lot of the footage that they showed in unexplained on the netflix series but they show him literally like healing people i think the guy was like in a full leg cast or something Mm. like that and he was like like doing this over (laughs) his leg you know and i'm just like oh my god (laughs) but it's one thing to stop at just being like a preacher and speaking yeah. on that to a integrated church community, but then to yeah. be like, oh, I can mind read and heal your right, sicknesses. Right, it's yeah. just, uh, that's where you lose me. So around 1977, there was a stir among SF Press and a reporter at the SF Chronicle, specifically by journalist Marshall Kilduff. He had written a story about allegations that temple members were being physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. As soon as Jones found out about the content of the article, he abruptly decides to up and move his whole congregation, several hundred people at this Mm -hmm. point, at least in the California area, Mm -hmm. to the compound in Guyana called Jonestown, which he, of course, named after himself. Narcissist over here. Most most cult leaders are. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Although the People's Temple was clouded for his humanitarian efforts, Jim's treatment of his followers was anything but that and this is where those dark parts of jim's maybe like his early life his childhood start to really come into the picture he regularly beat blackmailed and humiliated his congregation members he Mm. often coerced or brainwashed his members into putting their assets including their homes into the church's name which is basically his own name also his entire progressive persona of wanting integration of the black and white communities was somewhat of a farce. Mm-hmm. He 
convinced, at least according to these articles, he convinced slash threatened the African-American and other minority members that if they left the People's Temple, that they would be put into government-run concentration camps. Mm. So I don't have enough information to know if he only said that to the minority groups. Like, is he also saying that to the white members? I'm not sure. Right, uh, but right. they, they they kind of picked that out as yeah. being specific to them. But mm. that's the information I have. I'm sure he was horrible to everybody. So he Mm -hmm. was incredibly manipulative and established fear into the congregation. He also kept family members apart and encouraged them to inform on one another. So this was something I wanted to talk, which I'll touch on later, is just the history of cults and what makes a cult a cult. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is, and and Megan, you can jump in on this too. Mm -hmm. A lot of it has to do with number one, which is sleep deprivation. So just Mm not being able to sleep for hours on end, maybe days on end, also fasting for days on end. All of that really makes your brain so malleable and Mm -hmm. open to suggestions that become indoctrinated into law in your mind. Like I have to do things this way. I am not allowed to do things the other way, et cetera, et cetera. And your mind, your logical side of your brain just becomes so much more weakened with that repetitive nature of whatever it is that you're doing with Mm -hmm. the lack of sleep combined. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you know any other ones. Um, no, I mean, I can pull off like the general knowledge that I know about how sleep deprivation is one of the most, I think it's the most insidious, but one of the most like Mm -hmm. common forms of abuse in domestic abuse, uh, relation, like relationships and in cult, cult settings. And I think it's one of the things that you don't catch immediately and that's why it's such a successful form of abuse because by the time Mm -hmm. you've already been so sleep deprived your frontal lobe functioning and decision making skills are already out of whack in some way yeah and also like you're yeah everything's thrown out of funk once your circadian schedule is off Mm -hmm. but i do when i think about sleep deprivation i think about domestic uh abuse because yeah. people often don't – when people think of domestic abuse, we often think violent, which can definitely be the case. But, like, like usually it's fucking with someone's people's sleep. It's coming in in the middle really? of the night and not allowing your partner to rest yeah. uh, as they should, you know, sort of thing. Um, I didn't realize that. Yeah, keeping them awake. That makes sense. So I think that. Yeah, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Definitely a form of abuse. Mm-hmm. So it, there's all kinds of stuff for sure going on like that. And of course, this type of behavior, it doesn't go unnoticed. Like I said, SF Chronicle is getting hints of something going mm-hmm. wrong over there. Mm-hmm. So in 1977, the press begin to ask questions about the operation Jim has going on. They mm-hmm. start planting these seeds of, of paranoia in Jim's brain. And of course, it causes, them, causes him to move the church to mm-hmm. Jonestown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now this takes us to the month of the actual incident. So we're right. now we're in November. It's 1978. On November 14th, U.S. Congressman Leo Ryan, he travels to Guyana to inspect the People's Temple and the Jonestown compound. He's there to investigate rumors that the members of the cult were being held against their will and were being mentally and physically abused. Mm-hmm. Congressman Ryan arrives in Guyana's capital of Georgetown on the 14th, and then he gets to Jonestown on the 17th of November. Mm-hmm. November 18th, the next day, was when Congressman Ryan was to return home. 
Congressman Ryan arranged it so that these members could come back with him. So he basically arranges it so that anyone who wishes to leave the compound is able to do so. So he basically charters this plane that is able to house, you know, a good amount of people. Mm-hmm. Whoever wishes to co- come back to the States, they can do so. Right. So I'm talking about Congressman Leo Ryan. He is there. He's leaving. It's number 17th. Next day is November 18th. He is about to leave and he's telling the con- the Congress members, hey, if you want to leave, come with me. Mm-hmm. However, other members of the congregation found out and attacked Ryan before he could leave the compound. Luckily, Ryan is able to escape unhurt on the truck, which was heading straight for the airstrip to board his airplane out of there. But again, Temple members rush the airplane and attack Congressman Ryan and his entourage before they can depart. Five people, including Ryan and three members of the press, were shot and killed. Mm. Eleven others were wounded. Mm-hmm. Back at the compound, Jim realized he's in a tricky situation now. There's no turning back. Mm-hmm. He immediately orders the temple members outside of the compound to commit suicide. And mm-hmm. the way that he does all of the stuff is he basically has like that loudspeaker set up and he's constantly and I think that's another tactic potentially of cult members like he's constantly talking on the loudspeaker or he has like a recording of his voice constantly like talking going 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 yeah. going going right yeah, yeah. so so uh, it he, gives this yeah. this feeling of like he's ever present he's Correct. always watching always there absolutely plus with the sleep deprivation yeah okay. yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. it's another tactic for sure so he gets on the loudspeaker tells the people that are outside the compound commit suicide then he puts his mass suicide plan into action which he had the members practice in the past Mm -hmm. in case the situation called for it interesting yeah i don't know how they practice that (laughs) i don't know but the mass suicide plan involved drinking great great punch laced Mm -hmm. with cyanide Mm -hmm. tranquilizers and sedatives Mm mm-hmm yeah, so it was it's not a great situation. Uh, the drink was first squirted into the mouths of babies and children via syringe and then drunk mm-hmm. by the adults. Mm-hmm. Just over 900 people were killed. And this is where the phrase don't drink the Kool-Aid was born. Right. right. The thing is, Jones does not drink his own concoction of right. Kool-Aid. He shoots himself in the head. But this was a massive loss. Less than 100 members survived the massacre. I don't know Mm. if that's because they didn't drink it or they only drank some of it. I'm not really sure. Those who survived were mostly members who had left because of Ryan or were in the capital of Georgetown that day. Okay, so that answers my question. I just need to read a little bit further. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the aftermath. The the compound was raided and officials found an entire cache of firearms, hundreds of passports, and almost $500,000 that Mm. were deposited in bank accounts overseas. Mm. Pretty much immediately, the People's Temple was disbanded, of course, and filed for bankruptcy. Only one temple member, Larry Layton, was tried in the U.S. for his involvement in the horrific event. Mm. He was later convicted with conspiracy aiding and abetting in the murder of Congressman Leo Ryan and the attempted Mm. murder of U.S. Embassy official Richard Dwyer and was sentenced to life in prison, Mm. but was released in 2002. Yeah. So that's pretty much the story part. And but what I wanted to talk about briefly was before we get into the toxicology is just the history of cults itself, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, when did this become such a negative thing? Because and this is coming from the unexplained series, but yeah. you know, some historians were talking about how the original meaning behind a cult is nothing negative. It's mm-hmm. coming from the 
the word cult as in to cultivate. Mm -hmm. So there was, it was meant to be a group that's nourishing to tend to, to care to ancient history has long since known cults to be groups that were enriching. So there Mm -hmm. was the Mithraic cult. I wonder if it has anything to do with like Mithridates or anything like that, but there was the Mithraic cult in ancient Mm -hmm. Rome, Mm -hmm. the cult of Dionysus in Greece, Indian cults of Thugi, all of the above were groups that aimed to, to tend or care for themselves through practices that were seen as constructive to the community. Mm-hmm. So where did cults go wrong and what makes a cult leader able to get people to follow them? We already talked about a lot of it, but m- typically cult leaders are either narcissistic and or authoritarian, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. are always charismatic. Mm-hmm. And it's there's it's a very specific type of charisma that cult leaders have. They're able to monopolize and manipulate on the very basic and primitive concept that human beings like to be part of groups. Like they yeah. like they're social animals. We're all social beings. We need to be part of groups. That's literally how we survived. If we were outside of the pack, we would die. So mm-hmm. that's something that's very, very innate to all of us. We don't like to be... I guess now a little bit that's different now to be in the individual. Right. Uh, we want to be right. part of the many. So they know how to manipulate and monopolize on that. That's one big factor. And we already talked about the sleep deprivation practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another mm-hmm. thing. Um, one other thing that's really interesting is the cult will always have a piece of indoctrination that is intended to transform the recruited person to a perceived elevated status than what they were initially before. Mm-hmm. So you're, if you join this, you are going to change your world. You're going to change your mind. You're going to be elite, whatever mm-hmm. that means mm-hmm. to that cult or that group. And as they were saying that, I mean, they were talking about, oh my God, I don't know his first, Charles Manson. Mm-hmm. They're talking about mm-hmm. Charles Manson and the Manson murders and the people there. Like He literally, in, he literally got into their heads so much that they, at some point, they were walking on all fours yeah, uh, yeah. around the compound or wherever they were, you know? Right. And I was just right. like, oh my gosh, like how do you get someone to follow you to that length? I mean, that's very mild compared to them like actually killing for him, of course. But right, right. Yeah. Okay. This is, I didn't write this down, but I th- thought this was an interesting tidbit. So a- after they talked about Jim Jones in the actual episode, they were talking about James Ray, James Arthur Ray from The Secret. Have you heard of this, Megan? No, but I know The Secret, like the book, right? Like, is that what you're right. talking about? Me okay. too. Yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about the book, <laughs> The Secret. So okay. I was really confused because mm. they end, it's a, it's an episode about cults. I'm like, why are they t- talking about The Secret? Mm. So they like show The Secret and they're like this mass phenomenon that I think the book came out in 2006. I've never read it. <laughs> I just know what it looks like. And I did have this very minute understanding that it's kind of like a self, it goes, falls into the self-help category or like, like life, life yeah. changing self-help category. Right. Um, and one, I am not a big reader. I've said that many times before and I will, will maintain that. This whole episode as you're talking, I'm like, I'm someone who could never fall into a cult because I think I myself am so narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, you can't tell me what to do. I know. Like, I'm so, so convinced that. But right. um, but but that's the reason why I never got into the secret. Like, I I remember seeing it kind of like on the mantle at one of my auntie and uncle's places up in oh, Sacramento. Okay. They were into like reading those, those, there was like kind of a boom of self-help books during the mm-hmm. mid-2000s. I mean, it makes sense mm-hmm. we're going through an economic 
crisis or whatever but that that came out two years that happened two years later after secret was dropped the literature was having a moment with all that type of stuff and uh and i was like i'm not gonna subscribe to that at all (laughs) no totally totally i think we had I think we had the secret at home. I think my mom mm, was reading it. Yeah. And then I think I got curious. I don't think I read it fully, but I was just, because I think I was a similar to you, Megan, where I was yeah. like, I was skeptical. Yes. Yeah. Skeptical. And also I, I think I did, I, I would get it confused with, um, books like the da vinci code which were also super <laughs> yeah. popular at the time yeah because the freaking scrawl makes it, it look looks like, like that it's some like adventure novel totally <laughs> so, totally yeah totally anyway. it, yeah so i remember reading that i'm like this is whack <laughs> but anyways <laughs> so back to yeah. this so so apparently james arthur ray like he's the author of the secret and okay. he blows up he's incredibly famous like he basically gets to like a tony robbins level where he's now touring and he's like mm-hmm. preaching yeah yeah whatever his stuff is like the, the practice of the secret people are just eating this up right yeah and then it gets <laughs> to a point where he does like a retreat he's like oh this is for my he does like workshops basically Mm -hmm. there's like Mm -hmm. several different categories of the workshop and then for his like elite people like the people who've gone through all the workshops and all the work whatever they get to go and sign up for this very um special exclusive retreat yeah Uh, yeah yes and i think it's Yes, Sorry. that's how they make their money. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably like eight people, something like that, very small group of people. Anyways, so um, this young woman, I think she's in her mid to late 30s. She goes on this trip and she's a very active young lady, mm-hmm. uh, very adventurous, outdoorsy. And she's like, I believe in the secret and I'm going to go do this thing. I'm so excited. I've done all the workshops, whatever. Right, so they right. go to this retreat. And part of it, part of the retreat is to go in kind of like this hut. And um, James Ray tells them, he's like, hey, you know, I want you, the part of the secret is like mind over matter type of thing. Like you really got to push yourself to the limits. I want to see you push yourself all the way. Right. Yeah. So they're like, yeah. And then part of it, like, it's like an indoctrination period. There's like an initiation. If you're really like part of the group. Are you going to be part of the group or are you going to be outside of the group? If you're really part of this, part the first initiation was you need to shave your head. Yes. Yeah, so and there's hazing. lots of females there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and the females are <laughs> like, well, I don't want to be out of the group. So, yes, I will shave my head. So they shave their head. The men shave their head, whatever. And then they are asked to, I think, strip down, like not naked, but like strip a little bit and then go mm-hmm. into this hut and wh- what uh, one of the women who comes out of this whole thing mm-hmm. she says once you get in there it's hot like they have a yeah. fire going in there and it's very very hot and then what you don't realize is like once they close the flap of the hot of the hut it's pretty much pitch black mm-hmm. so they can't really see anything and temperatures reach it's like um a sweat a sweat yeah, hut sweat lodge yeah a sweat lodge Mm-hmm. And temperatures get up to 200 degrees, no water. They haven't eaten for 36 hours up mm-hmm. until this point. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they've slept, but they have been on a fast for 36 hours yeah. before heading into the sweat lodge. So right. they have like very low nutrients, very low mm-hmm. electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, fast forward, basically, the cops have to be called because two of the people have no pulse. They're not breathing. They die, mm-hmm. including this mm-hmm. woman who I just spoke about. Yeah, yeah. And one other person passes away a week later in the hospital. Wow. 
James Ray is not, he's not where to be seen. He's like not participating at all. He's in his hotel room, whatever, having a shower and eating dinner. But he was. While like these people are like over the body. He was at some point present in this exclusive retreat though, right? He just is not part of this like sweat death trap. No, no, no. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, So anyways, he gets arrested for that, but that has nothing to do with Jim Jones apart from like the cult. But I did not realize that was even happening. Like I did not know like this guy was basically forming a mini cult in some ways and he Mm -hmm. got arrested and it's craziness. Yeah. I had no idea that was a thing either, but that's mostly because I don't read. (laughs) But yeah, that, that is interesting why that didn't make, or maybe it did make larger news. When did this happen? Arrest. I don't, I'm not even sure. I want to say 2008 or 2009. Okay. So definitely a few years after the book. Okay. Gotcha. Because I mean, like in my defense, deadly dose poison pals in my defense during that time i was in high school and i didn't give a shit about about the news yeah, yeah, yeah. i wanted to go ride my bike after school yes or hang out with my friends and we were just dicking around so yeah, exactly that's probably why i didn't know and also to be honest at that point if i was watching tv I had three channels at home. I probably watched one show that my mom probably yelled at me to go do homework. And that's all I got. Exactly. That's, that's that's all the TV time yeah. I got. Damn. So. I got, okay. <laughs> I got a lot of TV time, honestly. <laughs> I'd come home from high school, have my late afternoon lunch that my mom always had. Oh, as we, love it. The kitchen and the TV room were combined so you could yeah, watch the yeah, TV yeah. from the kitchen. I yeah. just have Real Housewives playing all day. No. Every day. So maybe I was in a cult myself. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that's all we watch. Your mom lets you Bravo. watch Bravo? Oh, my God. My hours, mom would never. Hours of it. I mean, it, don't get me wrong. There were definitely strict moments in the house. We would definitely have to get our <laughs> homework and studying done. But, like, yeah. I I remember days of, like, being a kiddo, a teen and I'd watch like three to four hours straight of television. It's insane. Oh, man. Yeah. I can't. I mean, I'm sure there were days where I was able to do that. But for the most part, my mom was just like, she yeah, probably yeah. gave me the secret at one point. I was like, go I read know. in the corner. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. My point in all of that was like, if I have one hour of TV time, I'm not going to use it to watch the news at, yeah, as yeah, like a exactly. high schooler. Yeah. yeah. That is all to say. Thinking about this example of what is the author's name? See, I'm so bad. I'm James sure Ray. James Ray. In the example of James Ray, it does make me wonder with certain cults, like I would give that a, to me, I'm like, that sounds cultish in the mm-hmm. contemporary use of the word, right? What happened there with the sweat lodge and all that. But yeah. uh, I, it makes me think like, okay, with certain cults or followings, how often is it that it's a situation like Jim Jones, where mm-hmm. always kind of charismatic, but always interested in the education of charismatic leaders, right, from mm-hmm. the get-go? Someone True. who's always been invested in these these ideologies of influence, right? Sure. Versus, you know, I don't um, James Ray, I don't know his background or whatever, but like how much of the events that happened were more something that was like immediately following his success. Like due to his success, he started to buy into his own influence and Mm -hmm. was like, Oh wow. Like people really follow this. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can extort and exploit some aspect of this. And like, maybe I can turn this into like a real practice where people pay money to see my speeches and do workshops. And then the most exclusive, the exclusive, they can come to this, 
right excursion but like do you get what i'm saying like yeah it, how much of it is some people they just find this small amount of success and they just get so up in their own um stardom that they're mm-hmm. like i can change people's lives <laughs> versus someone who yeah. starts from point a since birth that they're like i was always destined for this you know true yeah true so and that's is, I, I think yeah. is that what you're trying to get at like that yeah. Jim Jones like I don't know if he believed that he was destined from this from the start but he definitely was prepping like that from the right. start right and I wonder how much I'm not trying to coin a term or anything and on what level are some forms of um, like social media influence with things that tie into health and wellness because I would say oh you know, yeah that's majority of the marketing and branding that's on social yep. media and what people try to become influencers in like to me I'm like some of those that get big followings I'm like how much of that is new age cultism you know like is that Dude. a form of new age cultism I don't know I'm not trying okay. to shit on the industry but like yeah people really really get sucked in I, I, I agree <laughs> I do feel like we're going through a similar time period where kind of similar to what you were saying about the 2008 mm-hmm. crisis economic crisis we're definitely mm-hmm. in a crisis right now there's a there's right. just a lot going on there's a lot going on for sure so it's not surprising given from the moment COVID started to now mm-hmm. things are still going on politically yeah. health-wise whatever so I do think people are, are very much clinging on to anything health yeah. and wellness for a reason yeah. and it's difficult because you cannot there's no way to basically fact check everything that's coming through your social media feed, right? Right. So right. you just have to be able to do the extra work if you really care about that stuff mm-hmm. to fact check yourself, which to be honest, no one's going to do. No one's just going to yeah. do it. I, I don't even do it. There's someone really famous on TikTok. Mm. Their whole shtick is saying kind of, I guess, controversial, but also interesting facts. Mm. And it popped up on my feed. And the first one was something medical related. That's Mm. the only reason I continued to watch the video. Mm. And I was listening to the video. I was like, I've literally never heard of this before. Mm. The person was basically saying um, a medication, Accutane, which is an acne medication, Mm -hmm. causes your bones to turn green. And I was like, I've never heard of that shit in my life. You know, like that doesn't sound like a thing to me. And so I looked it up and I like searched on multiple medical databases. Hmm. And I'm like, there's nothing, not even one thing is popping up. And then I right. did a go- just a simple Google search. And even then nothing was popping up. Even if you just right, Google right. search it, like not even Google Scholar, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah. The only things that were having hits were mm-hmm. Reddit and TikTok. And I'm like, okay, right. well, that cannot be your source, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm like, this is like people were eating that up though. Like people mm-hmm. eat that up and they're like, yeah, this is, this happened to me. I'm like, how would you know? How would you oh, yeah. know that Can your you bones are green? Like, <laughs> right. That's so interesting. So I'm just like, ah, uh, like that was just like one small example yeah. of how, like, and that got millions and millions of views, you know? Mm. So I'm just like, that is information that is being spread, albeit like it's not as harmful, I would say. Like having mm. your bones turn green is not going to kill you if right. that were it's real. Inconsequential. Yeah. Correct. Right. But I'm like, it could be, that could just, that's just one video of yeah, yeah. millions right yeah. that you just don't know like what people are are sending and sharing out into the the ethernet so right right yeah <sighs> anyways i i'm off my soapbox no that's all good <laughs> but like when we hear the word misinformation at least in the united states we tie it to socio-political things that have been happening in our country the last four years you know what i mean but i'm like mm-hmm, there is something mm-hmm. about misinformation 
on like the the super basic level of of the the example that you gave where it's like i think there is like there are people out there who kind of test the waters of like what nonsense bullshit can i put out there (laughs) yeah no one would give a shit no one would check totally like totally makes your bones green low toxicology info on cyanide We've talked about cyanide a lot, but since this, I'm going to pretend like this is the second episode, so we don't know anything mm-hmm. about it. So, yeah, yeah. cyanide is a fast-acting lethal poison. They were mm-hmm. first commercially used as a chemical weapon in World War One, but they are mm-hmm. also used in the industry. You will find low levels of cyanide in cigarette smoke, of your vehicle's exhaust, and in foods such as spinach, mm-hmm. bamboo shoots, almonds, lima beans, fruit pits, mm-hmm. and tapioca. Mm -hmm. I also just learned today that 20% or something like 15 to 20% of just the plants in Australia contain cyanide, which is a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. There's all kinds of things in Australia. Yeah. That's a lot. So the toxic form of cyanide is hydrogen cyanide. And it mm-hmm. looks like a pale blue to almost a colorless liquid mm-hmm. and a colorless gas at higher temperatures with a bitter almond smell. A common way to detect cyanide is that bitter almond smell, but yeah. it's not a reliable way to detect because only 20 to 40% of the population has the gene that allows you to actually smell the cyanide. Gotcha. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So cyanide has a high affinity for metals such as cobalt, iron, and sodium thiosulfate. So Mm -hmm. in large doses, cyanide will immediately bind with iron in something called a cytochrome, which is the last cytochrome in your electron transport chain that is used for oxidative phosphorylation. That is all our bio information that we have taken long, long ago. But basically, the electron transport chain process allows us to produce oxygen as well as energy in our bodies. Very essential process to everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Anyways, iron is absolutely needed in our body because it transports oxygen. So I said this last time, but you can always think of iron as your Uber, your lift of your body. Mm-hmm. Oxygen cannot go anywhere on its own. It needs that iron to transport it to the cells or other areas of your body that really need oxygen. So Mm -hmm. without iron, the body will compensate by using anaerobic processes or processes that don't require oxygen. So Mm -hmm. cyanide essentially acts as an iron sink Mm -hmm. and the body will shift to an anaerobic metabolism, which creates lactic acid and Mm -hmm. eventually metabolic acidosis and death within minutes. So this is happening very, very, very quick. Right. Uh, Antidotes. It's usually treated with rapid oxygen administration and other antidotes administered are sodium nitrate and sodium thiosulfate because they are able to bind to the cyanide and leave the iron alone. So Mm. cyanide will basically preferentially bind to the sodium thiosulfate or the nitrate and allow the iron to continue to pick up the oxygen and go about its business. And that's pretty much it. We're done. Yeah, yeah. That's been a while. I was going to say this at the top of the episode, but it, I sort of felt like I was going back in time a little bit by going back to this episode and pulling it up. Like, this is an old file. Like, I think I, for some reason I had deleted the story. And uh-huh. so I had to pull up the original version of it because like, thankfully Google Docs does a version history. So nice, I went nice. to the version history and I had to go back all the way to August of 2020, which is when we first yeah. started recording, if yeah. you remember, I, in the I summer. I can't believe... I mean, so 
now that we're on this re-record process, you know, I have my stories too. And that blew my mind. I, yeah. When I was re-listening to the story that I'm going to redo this, you know, next couple of weeks. Did you re-listen I, to it? I re-listened to the whole thing. Oh my Honestly, gosh, I was like, dude. Damn, we were good. I, I was quite proud. Of, I listened yeah. re-listening to it. I was like, we were pretty good. Um, not to toot our yeah. own horns. But um, I <laughs> was, said How was the audio? Now. Sorry, I'm asking. <laughs> no, you're good. My audio, my audio was rough. Yours was great. Like, yours sounded the same. What was weird about the recording is that my audio started rough and then started to sound good so i don't know what <laughs> happened in that moment yeah. like what changed as we recorded but okay. I, basically i i there was a moment <laughs> where i said we the episode i'm re-recording we had done it labor day of 2020 labor day weekend of 2020. oh my god and i was like that's so weird crud it's been we're approaching two years because labor day yeah. will be coming up i mean it's time's moving so quickly i just feel like in a blink of an eye labor day will be upon us anyways but yeah yeah crazy to think that your episode was from 2020 mine was yeah two years has passed that's um, exactly i was gonna say we're in july august is coming up and that's when i started mm-hmm. to research and record this episode with mm-hmm. you and i'm like what yeah. what in the world yeah it's crazy Super weird yeah and i also had the same issue of i was like oh please let me <clears throat> please have my episode notes and I could not find my <laughs> file. I couldn't. No way. So yeah. I like had to redo it. But it was good. It was good. Because I could like beef up more of the toxicology okay. and all that. The last time you did this this episode, the first well, the first time you talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Did at the time did was there already news announced that um what's his face? Leonardo Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio no. is gonna do the Okay. No. I, I'm curious has what's the update on that? When is that? I know. Let's do a Google search. The Leo version yeah, of Jim Jones. In final talks. That was last year. How long does it take to talk? <laughs> but I don't think there's any like other famous docuseries or movie about Jim Jones. Not that I like can recall off the top of my right. head. Right. So if you guys are wondering why the hell are we even doing this? Like, why are we talking about our old, ep- doing our old episodes? It's yeah. partly because we, well, first off, as Megan said, we had very shit audio at, at the mm. beginning when we first started out, even though the content was chef's kiss, mm. the audio was making our ears bleed. So we, mm-hmm. we wanted to basically retire those episodes and bring it back under the deadly dose. So this yeah. will be like a nice refresher. It's going to be like a capsule series of mm-hmm. our, our first couple of episodes. So right. we'll be just basically doing this every week for at least a few weeks. And then we'll go back to our, like our typical content. Yeah. And so, I think yeah. what's what's funny also is that we've had pretty good luck of covering stories that just so happen to be getting made into like true crime totally. documentaries without us knowing that or um yeah. you know, making that intentional there have been totally. episodes of course where you know a true crime doc is dropped and we're like let's do a little more research on that and so we'll we'll do the reversal where yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it but like yeah. um yeah uh so maybe by the time we redrop <laughs> some of our episodes there will be some new documentaries that can like go hand in hand when you listen so yeah, yeah. that's always fun Yep. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Nice we can job, wrap Harini. it up. Good job. Thank you. All right. Um, so my antidote for today is I got to catch up one-on-one with a very good gal pal of mine who moved to New Zealand about four years ago. So right 
right before COVID, essentially. But mm-hmm. because of the pandemic, yeah. um, as we know, New Zealand was like on true, true lockdown for most of it. Yeah. Um, and so now she's finally returned back to the States and it was nice to have a beach day with her. Like I've oh, already fun. seen her. I've already seen her since she's returned once before, like on July okay. 4th. Yeah. Um, but this was nice to just like really sit with her alone and catch up. It's Mary. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mary. Yeah. And so that's what I did today. I so fun. definitely got burned. <laughs> I, I am. I was such a good girl last year in terms of wearing so much sunscreen And I am trying to be good again this year, but I just like my face just gets all the heat. I don't know what it is. And also my decolletage or whatever you call that. (laughs) As as I'm older, like I'm like, oh man, it's getting maybe because I can see it really up close. It probably doesn't Mm. look that way, like on camera or whatever. But with the sun, I'm like, oh, it's getting a little wrinkly. Like I'm seeing yeah. some wrinkles in my decolletage. I'm like, okay, time to start lotioning, lotion. Yes. That shit. So yeah. yes. Anyway, that's my I'm answer. gonna. <laughs> I was gonna say no. I, I I love parts of that. I, I don't yeah. want your decolletage to get wrinkly unless that's what you want. But <laughs> I, <don't>. um, <laughs> I was gonna say I think we talked about this before. I I got that like really nice. I didn't get it because it was CBD. It just happens to be CBD, yeah, but yeah. it's like a CBD oil that i religiously slather on my body after the shower but i always make sure to put it on my decolletage area my chest area i i I just fluctuate i used to have such a good moisturizing routine post shower Mm -hmm. and then i just get lazy and then i stop and then i go back in i have a problem anyway enough about me what's your (laughs) antidote (laughs) oh yeah okay andrew it was his birthday on friday and so i texted him yeah, happy yeah. birthday, Andrew. Him and his mom both listen. So oh, hi to both. Thank uh, you. When I brought up the text exchange, mm. I could see like our history, of course, of our text. And basically, the last text was me wishing him a happy birthday yeah. on his last <laughs> birthday. And I was yeah. like, uh, I don't love this because we we are very close friends. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. we should be seeing each other more often and right. not just texting each other happy birthday. And that's all we talk yeah, about, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I texted him happy birthday. And I was like, I really want to see you like happy birthday, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, actually, I'm going out to dinner tomorrow with another high school friend of mine mm. that I have not seen since high school. We all actually went on a post-grad Europe trip together right. and literally had the best time of our lives. But I hadn't talked to that particular friend since then since then and it's been like on my mind that I really want to get that group back together and just just talk and reminisce and just revisit all of those good times and it's so bizarre how it happened because it we went on that Europe trip in 2012 Mm -hmm. and I have not gone back to Europe like that since that trip and Mm -hmm. now I'm about to go literally 10 years later exactly 10 years later now on my honeymoon which is just wild how Mm -hmm. life works and then I got to go meet everybody so it was Adam and all the significant others and then my other good friend and Andrew so we just like had a really nice dinner in the city and just caught up all night and it was fantastic so great okay yeah yeah. let's go let's go (laughs) all right I'm not going to say don't risk it. We don't even need to do the biscuit because don't drink that Kool-Aid, guys. That is it. <laughs> That's it. This time it's liquid form. <laughs> liquid right. biscuit, liquid. Kool-Aid, <laughs> dunk it. No dunking the biscuit into the Kool-Aid. <laughs> no, no. All right. Thanks, okay. boys and pals. We got to go to bed. Bye. Bye. <laughs>